I would love to see psilocybin go towards more of like a medical access model with, with lots of accessibility, no organization that, that has any sort of like control over, over the drug. And it, and it comes down to just best outcomes for people. And that's what should drive markets is the best outcome for clients. Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This. It was such a pleasure speaking with my next guest. I'm with Peyton Nyquist. Peyton is the co-founder and CEO of Numinous, one of the leading psychedelic wellness companies in Canada. During this episode, we got into, of course, what his journey has been, why he felt so called to start Numinous, and his incredible healing journey. I had no idea, but he grew up with chronic pain to the point where he was hospitalized four times a week. We're talking serious pain, folks. And after one ayahuasca retreat, boom, he was fixed and dedicated his life to bringing this to more people, making it accessible, and creating a legal pathway to do so. What's cool about this episode is we don't only talk about what Numinous is doing, but we also get into areas like how do we keep integrity in the psychedelic space when there is a lot of money and capital coming in. I loved his answer in this. He's very upfront and real about it. We talked about what it's like to be a psychedelic entrepreneur, some of the pitfalls, some of the better said, maybe some of the obstacles and challenges. It's a really good, well-rounded episode and honestly gave me so much hope that when you've got CEOs that are part that are heading a legal uh, psychedelic company, but are also really having a nice balanced approach to this space, it actually warms my heart that there is hope that we can really bring in a balanced approach to psychedelic legalization on all fronts in which we also get into. So really good episode. I hope you all enjoy it few things before the episode begins. If you're not following me on socials, consider this your moment. This is your time. I'll link everything (laughs) in the copy of the description so that you can click on whatever platform you prefer to follow on. And of course, if you are enjoying Trip on This, the way it grows is by liking it, rating it, commenting, sharing with a friend. It is so helpful. I'm so thankful to all of you. This show is growing at a rapid pace in 2022, and it is a very humbling experience. So thank you all so much for your support. And with that, please enjoy this next episode with Peyton Nyquist. Peyton, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Trip on This. Thanks for having me. So as the co-founder and CEO of Numinous, I first want to know about your own relationship with psychedelics. First thing is, have you, what is your relationship with psychedelics? Have you experienced them? And if so, how has, how have they impacted your life? Yeah. You know, I, I really sort of come to the space as a, a patient and I was, I was fortunate enough to have my life saved by psychedelics. I'd suffered with severe chronic pain since birth 
and, um, you know, some associated mental health challenges with that. And in my sort of mid to late teens became very, very passionate about mental health. My mom had struggled with substance use disorder and got sober in, in my mid teens. And with her sobriety, I, I saw this potential for someone to address their mental health and become and and obviously in the in the instance of my mom become the person that I always hoped that they could step into for themselves and as someone who was struggling with chronic pain that was really something that I was struggling with was I feel like I'm I'm suffering and I'm not the version of myself that I feel like I could be and that sort of put me on this path or trajectory of of exploring different avenues of, of how to work on my mental health and, and really this sort of intersection of mental health and physical health and the fact that they're not separate, that it's just your health. Yeah. But no matter what I was doing, my chronic pain symptoms continued to get worse and worse and worse and got me to a place where I was getting hospitalized three or four times a week. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, and, and really was sort of out of options. Bo- body, um, body pain? Just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be the, it would sort of start as severe gut pain. And then within like a half an hour, it would be just like complete overwhelming pain. Like the best way I can explain it is like just the overwhelming experience of pain. Wow. Um, It's hard to, it's hard to even be present in any moment when you're suffering like that. Yeah. And it's very, I mean, it, it brings you to your mortality of like this sort of binary decision of like, am I supposed to be here or am I not supposed to be here? And especially when you're sort of jumping from misdiagnosis to misdiagnosis and nobody can tell you, you know, why this is happening for you. You really sort of look at your own existence and go like, am I supposed to be here? Right. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm trying to do the best that I can. Yeah. And my experience of being on earth is really, really challenging. Wow. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, and, and as somebody who, who grew up in a family with, with substance use disorder, I'd never actually had a psychedelic experience before I'd researched psychedelics for probably a year and a half. And I, it was just one day I was, I was actually in the, in the emergency room. And I said to my, my partner, I said, I I have to do something significantly different here and you need to trust me. And I, I actually booked my flight while I was in the hospital, went home, packed my bags and and went and did ayahuasca. And that was my first, first foray. Yeah. Yeah. What an intuitive, like, uh, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, that intuitive place. That's like, this is it. This is it. When you kind of hit that rock bottom place. Wow. How was that ayahuasca experience for you? You know, it was interesting. I, I, and I, I'm always hesitant to sort of paint psychedelics as a panacea because there's, there's so much work that needs to be associated with it. And, and there's certainly pitfalls and, and, uh, concerns that people need to come into it with, but with one week with ayahuasca, I, I, I never had any chronic pain symptoms ever again. And, um, yeah, yeah. Was there any, was there any mental, like, was there any very like tangible thing on ayahuasca? Obviously your intention was please bring, bring healing to me, but was there, 
was it visionary for you? Was there a message yeah. like, or, or did it, was it just a cellular reset or all yeah. of the above? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all the above and probably, and things that I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but it was interesting, you know, I, I had obviously gone down with all of these expectations of, you know, I hear people talk about visions and I get mm-hmm. them thrown up in the bucket and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And my experience, you know, so essentially the, the, the protocol that we were following was four ceremonies in four nights in a row of ceremony. And I had by no means a, you know, fly around the universe, talk to, you know, God, watch yeah. the pyramids get built sort of experience. It was, it was very, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I right. haven't either. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, um, but was what was so profound for me. And, and certainly there was, there was periods of, of sort of experiential sort of processing and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it, it it's interesting, obviously in, in these, ceremonies one of the things you do at the end of the ceremonies people come together and there's a little bit of a sharing circle and you know I would hear people share their stories of like oh I had you know I talked to this you know anaconda or I I saw a jaguar or I or I watched the pyramids get built and so people were sharing these things and I was like I don't have it like I didn't have any of that. Yeah. And, and then I, you go into like, is this working? Is this not working? Yeah, yeah. Um, am I doing it right? right? And, and for me with chronic pain, especially in the first couple ceremonies, it was because I'm not having these experiences. Maybe I really am broken. Maybe, mm. maybe I am actually unfixable. And it wasn't until one of the ceremonies where I, I essentially had, it was like a, uh, psychic surgery essentially that, that happened. And I had this whole process that happened with my stomach and stuff like that. And at the end of the four ceremonies at the end of the week, I knew that I was, I knew that I had fixed what was wrong with me. And I remember sitting with so much gratitude saying, you know, thank God I didn't just spend all my time flying around watching pyramids get built and talking to, to Jaguars. Thank God I got exactly what you need, you know, what I needed. And, and that was it. And, um, yeah, really, really quite profound. And, and, um, to this day, just the, the most immense amount of gratitude for getting to where I needed to get to in order to make those decisions for myself and have that experience. It sounds like you needed you know, the, it's just interesting. I, I like to ask these questions because of how it's led you to your path, right? You sure. started a, a psychedelic company. And when you get to hear a story that is where you were like, I don't know what else to do with my life right now. And you get to see the basically one session or four, but like one retreat, essentially, yeah. it's been life changing. I can see how you're like, I have to really focus and, and bring this to others. And so how long after that ceremony did you go, I need to bring this to the world or psychedelics hmm. to the world, right? What is new? new oh my God. You're numinous. numinous. Yeah. yeah. Numinous. Numinous. Yeah. What is, what are some <laughs> of the, I know, right? What are the compounds that you guys are studying? Are, are you bringing to the trial right now? Yeah. So, so the thing that we've always been focused on and, and sort of touching on what you mentioned was how do we, how do we make this accessible, accessible for people? And, you know, really sort of coming out of that experience, one of the things that I was so fortunate to have was I had spent almost 20 years of my life 
in different mental health therapies and modalities. So I, I approach this space with this scaffolding yeah. of really understanding mental health. So when I went into those ceremonies, I was like, oh, wow, like I get this. I understand this. I right. can apply this here. I could do all that. And a lot of people aren't that fortunate. And so for us, yes, it's about bringing psychedelic therapies forward, but it's also, you know, what is the container or, or what is the infrastructure necessary to really help hold somebody through that process mm-hmm. and not just of the experience itself, but, you know, we talk about integration all the time and that's a very active conversation in the psychedelic space for me you know integration is your life yeah um you know how are you going to move forward with these things right and you can have all of the profound experiences in the world but if you're not really taking those experiences and applying them to the practical aspects of your life you're going to find yourself just continuing to chase experiences and so that was really for us in the beginning was how do we create that infrastructure and how do we support research so that we're sort of moving that forward in tandem with creating this infrastructure so that when that research is complete and we're in more of an accessible framework that it can be put into something that could really hold it very well and so what we've what we've done in regards to research is is really sort of two main focuses. One, we we collaborate with MAPS on the MDMA for PTSD mm-hmm. work, which you know very very grateful to be able to work alongside MAPS. We were actually the first industry collaboration that that MAPS has has put together, and so um, we're helping carry out some of their phase three work in Canada, um, as well as some of the MAPS USX studies, and then psilocybin which is in this really sort of interesting time at the moment where, you know, our belief is potentially it maybe doesn't go just the traditional pharmaceutical drug approval process. You're seeing states like Oregon just Mm -hmm. moving towards a legal framework. You know, Canada, we have a sort of similar thing. So one of the other things that we do do out of the company is we have a, a laboratory that's licensed to do not only analytical testing, but also production, importation, and distribution of pretty much all the known psychedelic compounds. Mm-hmm. And that license got amended a couple of years ago to allow us to harvest, cultivate, extract, and produce psilocybin products from naturally occurring psilocybin-containing fungi. So mm-hmm. we, we grew from what we can tell the first legal psilocybin mushrooms since the 70s. Wow. And um, that was pretty cool. And, and so since then, we've been looking to how can we create a, a natural psilocybin product that can meet all the standards of Health Canada and the FDA, but but not lose the the natural sort of aspects of this medicine, which now we're seeing more and more and more is being recognized as as important. And yes. I I think in an environment where maybe you know psilocybin is just generic, our view is that a lot of people will probably look for a naturally sourced product versus a synthetic. So that is your focus is that's really what's setting you guys apart right now, particularly is that you are going more towards that natural route, growing the mushrooms, the fruiting body. Love that. I think a lot of people are definitely going to be looking out for that. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it, it makes things more accessible. There's, there's potential for, even even cost recovery or, or mm-hmm. uh, a cheaper product. And, um, 
you know, mother nature has been, been working on these things for quite a long time. Yes. So I think, I think she's done a pretty good job of figuring yes. out. Uh, and, and she's made it, and she's made it very accessible for us to, to grow, you know, like that's she, it, mushrooms are just the gift to the world. They just, yep. they grow everywhere and they're, a lot of them are fairly easily cultivated. And of course, like the, the, the mass version of that, and we'll get into kind of mass mental health, but before I move mm -hmm. on, I'm just curious as like the entrepreneur coming into this space, right? Mm. How, how has that process been for you? I mean, this is a whole new territory, psychedelics, I guess. Yeah. I just, as the star, just generally, like what has this yeah. process been an uphill battle has been easier than you <laughs> thought. What's, what surprised you about this? Sure. You know, it was when, when we started Numinous, I never, I, I didn't anticipate things moving as quickly as they did. And really what it came out of was when I came out of that first ayahuasca experience and I've had lots and lots of other experiences since then, but out of that first ayahuasca experience, it was just, how can I give back to something that had saved my life? I, I'd never planned on quitting my job and starting a company and everything that we've done. But as I was having more and more conversations with research institutions and things like that, I just recognized there was a lot more than just philanthropy that I could do to try and support. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sort of looking at that now, you know, certainly the space has moved really, really quickly. You've seen periods of, you know, lots of investment come into the space and, you know, we're in this sort of unfortunate time at the moment where pretty much everybody either themselves or at least one degree of separation has been really impacted by mental health. Yeah. And I think psychedelics present a really interesting opportunity to help people, especially in light of, of COVID, we're in a place where a lot of people are suffering. And there's this expectation even coming out of COVID, like, okay, you know, things are opening up. Everybody's expected to just get right back to it. Right. And, and that's not how trauma works. And yeah. we've been through a collective traumatic experience. So I think psychedelics play this interesting role in helping with that. Um, but from an, an entrepreneur standpoint, you know, if I'm being honest, I, appro I approach this space with such great reverence and um, I want the integrity to stay. Um, and I think when you see periods of, you know, a lot of excitement and opportunity and money starts to get flowing around. Um, you can, integrity maybe isn't, you know, uh, mission number one for, right. for certain folks. And the one thing that I really hope is the people that I see that financially support this space, sure, people, people you know, want to make, make money on their investment, but majority of the people that I see making investments in the space, they want their investment to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been through this period of trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, where is the investment going? Where is value being created? Where is, you know, where is a, a, a dollar that's being spent going to actually help somebody? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think we've been through a period of trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, you know, so it's been... I think more than anything, like I have to pinch myself that I get to do what I get to do for yeah. a living. And uh, it's, it's something that I have a, a huge amount of gratitude for. And the fact that, you know, this is happening as quickly as it is, is really exciting. It is so. quick. It is quick. I love that you yeah. brought up integrity. Actually, one of my questions was, you know, there is some, I'd say some worry 
in the psychedelic community in some in some aspects of it areas <clears throat> that are a little bit worried that that money would impact the integrity and the accessibility of psychedelics. And, you know, as someone who is leading a, a large, you know, psychedelic wellness company, I would say, what would you say to that? I think rightfully so. I, I, I think I think for sure that has to be, you know, treaded with caution. If you if you look at, you know, we have lots of examples of where financial interests in regards to healthcare have created negative outcomes. Yeah. You know, you look at the the SSRI market, which, you know, I don't want to dissuade SSRIs have their place. They're hugely helpful for a lot of people, but we prescribe them like, you know, Skittles. At yeah, Pez. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, and that's really concerning, right? Yeah. You look at Oxycontin, right? Like the, the, some of these things, you know, with, with maybe some right intentions, unfortunately, when, when financial measures get in place can, can have negative outcomes. So um, I think rightfully so for people to be concerned from the seat that I sit in, you know, psychedelic therapy, when I think about a therapist who's working with somebody, the, the risks that underground therapists take on, and there's thousands and thousands of them, the risk that they take on professionally, financially is massive. And these people deserve to have a platform where they can pay their taxes. They can, you know, have, have insurance coverage, all of these kinds of things. We need a more sustainable model to allow for those therapists and, and people to be able to work within this space and, and generate an income. And I think that that's really important. So and I, and I think it's a space that, that certainly, you know, deserves some, some innovation. Yeah. And also we're seeing these things being effective and we have lots of different programs, whether it's insurance coverage in Canada, we have a universal healthcare system. You know, the, there's the opportunity for a lot of people who can't afford this therapy to potentially get insurance coverage for it yeah. or, or, you know, have benefits coverage for it. And that, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's sort of the, the push and pull at the moment sure. is, is a hundred percent. We need to be cautious of, of the integrity of the space. And, and, you know, I love, for example, that maps is going to be, you know, the group that's, that's going to take MDMA through to legalization yeah. a not-for-profit. I think yeah. that's so imperative. And that's something that Rick Doblin and I have talked a lot about is yeah. Numinous wants to help MAPS be the group to take that forward. I think that's so important. I would love to see psilocybin go towards more of like a medical access model with, with lots of accessibility, no organization that, that has any sort of like control over, over the drug. And it, and it comes down to just best outcomes for people. And that's what should drive markets is the yeah. best outcome for clients. Wow, absolutely. I really loved you saying, you kind of giving that space still for the the underground therapists and, mm-hmm. and that, because, you know, I think I always, when I look at this space, I really, I'm really in the middle on all of it. You know, I understand it's, it's mm-hmm. money that drives, it's, it's, it's driving everything forward, right? It's actually the thing that's going to make it a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. Also just paying homage to those who have been working in this space and not like pushing people out and like, how do we make it work for everyone? How do we make it work? Because I think there's going to be such a, a push for it. It's like, look, what works for one person doesn't work for the other. You know, I think it's so mm-hmm. great that there's the, the, the more medicalized model that that's happening, that you can be covered with insurance and all this, or you can be going to perhaps it is with like a different healer and it's not with a particular company and, and I think that's going to be 
I know it's probably going to be the most difficult to somehow weave that with just all the legalities, but that to me really is the perfect world because I think there is space for everyone. And this actually brings me to another question I had, which is just about scalability. And, Mm -hmm. and do we think that psychedelics could really be a mass relief, mass relief for people? Can it really get to a lot of people who, who, who are obviously um, healthy enough and, you know, medically are, Mm -hmm. you know, sound enough and can afford it? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the questions we need to really be asking more of in the psychedelic space is where do psychedelics fit as a standard of care? You know, we talk about treatment resistant depression. We talk about treatment resistant PTSD, which are all these very, very, you know, important indications. But why are we continuing to place psychedelic therapy at the end of someone's journey, right? Should they have to try three different SSRIs? Should they have to try three different treatment centers? Should they have to try all of these different things, which maybe are traumatizing them more, right? Maybe why are we needing to potentially make the problem worse before we finally go, okay, now you can try psychedelics. Especially like what you were saying, like the feeling of like, oh, I really am broken. I really yes. have to like to to keep kicking somebody like down the line of like, well, that didn't work. That that just hope that just removes hope. Like you get hopeless, more and more hopeless exactly. if you're going to force people in that route. Exactly, and I, and I think you know even the way we treat mental health, right? If if someone gets diagnosed as depressed or anxious, mm-hmm. the traditional way we've looked at that is like, okay, I'm now labeled as a depressed person, right? I identify as a depressed person, and this is something that I'm going to deal with for the rest of my life, right? I think psychedelics have curative intent. Um, I, I think, I, and, and that's not me saying psychedelics are a cure and they're going to fix everybody. Yeah. But the intention is to try and cure some of these things that are affecting people. And if you look at the MAPS data, you know, the, their most recent phase three results, over 80% of participants saw significant clinical reductions, 67% no longer met the PTSD criteria after three treatments. It's and these are people with treatment resistant PTSD. Yeah. That's a cure for PTSD yeah. for 67% of people yeah. that, you know, and so I, I think that's something that we, we need to start considering when we're talking about where does this fit? Yeah. And I think that is an important conversation to have. I think in terms of, of scalability, absolutely. I, I, I think if we can change people's mindsets around more of an intervention-based approach to tr- how we treat mental health versus, okay, you've, you've got this and this, you're going to work with your therapist for the next 10 years. We're going to get you on this antidepressant. You're going to take that every day. We want to try and help people get back to living as healthy and full lives as possible as soon as possible. Yeah, that's beautiful. I can imagine on the financial side. I mean, I understood why SSRIs were a daily medicine, right? How do you kind of navigate that with your own investors, I guess, when they understand that, look, this is a, we're talking cures, folks. We're not talking like a constant. Mm -hmm. Now I understand with like microdosing, it could be a little bit more of like a a daily thing that you could be prescribed. But if you're talking like macrodoses, right? And you're talking about big perception shifts here. How do you, how do you thread that needle with them? You know, I think the, the thing that we talk a lot about, we were talking about integration is yes, there's a psychedelic intervention, but there's all of the work that then continues to be associated with that. And, 
you know, I very, very rarely do you see somebody have a, a life-changing psychedelic experience and go like, okay, yeah, you know, good to go. got the, got the t-shirt I'm done. Um, yeah. you know, back, back to regularly scheduled programming, they yeah. become passionate about their mental health. And I think one of the things that I could see this space moving into is we don't talk about preventative mental health. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the places I would love to see is when can we start getting on the right foot of let's, let's get to people before they get depressed. Let's mm-hmm. get to people before they have you know, anxiety, you know, the trauma is going, part of the human experience is, is going through trauma. Let's give them a place where they can go through that and unpack that in a, in a way that, you know, doesn't leave them to a place of hopelessness. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, where psychedelics maybe play an exciting role. And so I think creating that community and, and infrastructure around integration, ongoing support, is, is really an important one. And, and I think, again, a mindset shift for a lot of people, but, but I think that's where we sort of see, you know, sort of the, the opportunities, you know, even financially is people want to stay committed to this work and they want to find places where they're included, it's accessible, there's community, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing. Even going back to my own story, I remember coming back from, that first ayahuasca retreat going like, how am I going to tell, like, how am I going to tell my doctors? How am I going to tell all these people? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm fixed. And, yeah. They're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? Um, and so to be able to, and, and the thing that I wanted more than anything coming back was like, I recognize that there's a lot of work to do here still. I usually say like, that wasn't the finish line. That was actually the start line. Right, Everything right, else right, was right, right. Preparation, getting to that point. Totally. But I need. I want a community where I feel like I can speak about these things with people who understand what I'm talking about. I'm not, you know, treated as an outlier or or yeah. weird or any of these kinds of things. I'm not totally ready to, you know, don ponchos and crystals yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, right, you know, right, I wanna, right. I want to. <laughs> still integrate into my, my normal waking life, but I have had this, this math, massive cathartic, arguably one of the most important experiences of my life. And I don't want the be that to be downplayed or misunderstood. Yeah. I, I love that. And that makes absolute sense to me about for everyone, right? Because I, because healing is a lifelong journey. That That is mm-hmm. the truth, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how dialed we think we get, there's always layers on layers and layers of mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. stories and and that is the joy and you're so right about once you're on the path it's like once you start feeling good you want to continue what that feels like and you know very quickly life can kind of pack on right and get a little bit heavy again and you know the way that I treat like mushroom trips oftentimes is it's like I can feel just like an intuitive like you're talking about preventative uh like an intuitive call for, for myself or just like it's time to maybe like clear the cobwebs a little bit you've collected a lot of just energy life is a lot you know no matter how much work you do you know how much mm-hmm. no matter how healed you feel you are you're still a human dealing with human emotions mm-hmm. they don't stop you just how you navigate them it becomes a little bit easier right like you get the tools yeah. to do that and so I really I agree human potential prevention is 
is so, so key. We shouldn't wait until it's the same thing with, with medical healthcare, right? Like we shouldn't mm -hmm. wait until heart disease happens to get on board with a healthy diet and exercise and, and really pushing that. And it's, it's something it's, I'm very passionate about too, is health. Like that we, we just prioritize health. There's so much that we can do to do yeah. that. You're, yeah. you're speaking a lot about like your visions for psychedelics. Is there anything else that you would really like to see for this space? I definitely, uh, what we were just talking about, but is there anything else that like really you'd want to, you hope to see in the future? It doesn't five years, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. You know, I, I, my hope is, you know, we were just talking about healing and I have yet to meet a healed person. Right. right? Um, and I, and I think, that's something we get our heads so caught up in and, and, you know, we're, we're striving for, okay, if I can just fix this next thing, then I'll be, then I'll be okay. And, and I think we need to start just meeting people where they're at and just say, look, like you're on the, the journey of being human and, mm -hmm. and we need to create more accessible language for, open containers for people to continue to do their work without feeling like something is deeply, deeply wrong with them because they're on a healing path. Right. Um, and, and you see this a lot in mental health, the, the stigma is definitely coming off, but I think it needs to be much more encouraged that, Hey, like this is, this is just a part of being human. This is, yeah. this is a part of your path. And so uh, I think the thing that I would love to see in the space you know, again, we, we talked about sort of the entrepreneurial aspects of this and the financial aspects of this. And you've seen a lot of capital come into the space very quickly. And I would love to just continue to see that money be, be directed towards accessibility. Yeah. You know, if you look at the presentations of, of every company in the, in the sort of psychedelic space, there's always a slide that says, this massive trillion dollar, hundred billion dollar need, right? And if and if we're in agreement that that is true, then we shouldn't have to worry about controlling some aspect of it or making it restrictive. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's lots of opportunity for people to make a significant difference and and you know have a a, a positive financial outcome because of that. That's such um, a that's such so a positive way to such a balanced way of looking at it. By the way. That's like well, the hope that I would like to hear from somebody like, oh, yes, there's enough yeah. for everyone. Yeah. That's the true, yeah. that's the true, I think, message also, at least I've learned from psychedelics is, you know, abundance and prosperity is our birthright as human beings for all of us and that there is enough. And like, mm -hmm. like you said, you know, that's, that's just a market, that market cap for mental health is that big. And we're not even talking about, what was the word that we used? Um, preventative, yeah. right? So well, now, exactly. now you're, now you're talking about the whole fucking world could yeah. use could, can be probably a little happier i'm not saying the whole world's going to do it but like yeah. it really opens up it's the thing is i think we need to reshift what like healing healing implies that you're broken from something or that's i think what people think but the truth is like do you have any stories that you tell yourself that self that's limiting in any way then you then you can probably shift that it could be something exactly. very subtle but like it doesn't have to be a, a horrible thing that happens in your youth you could be having a very small story about how you play small or you don't mm -hmm. think, you know, it's about your self-worth and like, you know, you're, you had your parents just want to manage your expectations in quotes. But mm -hmm. what that did was it put you into a really small box. And mm -hmm. so how do you, how can you maybe expand from there? And so I think it's also like a reframe around yes. healing. Exactly. 
you know exactly and and i think that's that's a really important and and where i see an exciting opportunity in in this space is is really the the inclusionary aspects of of healing and yeah. and the reframing of healing you know and you, and you see this a lot as well is i i i agree i think everybody's sovereign right is to is to better themselves and a lot of this we hear this a lot like oh i see somebody who's really really suffering and their suffering is more important than what i'm dealing with is sure. so i'm not going to do anything and i'm going to you know hopefully that other person who's you know far worse off than me is going to to work on their healing and yeah. i i think healing needs to be for everybody yeah for everybody because we all need to do our part right yeah. that person who might be deeply 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 suffering may not be able to get themselves to a place but they might be inspired by somebody who's just even created a small shift in their life yeah. that that might be the inspiration that that person needs to make a huge shift yeah. in their lives. So. I feel, I feel like I'm seeing it more and more and maybe I'm in a little bit of a, probably an, an echo chamber on my own, like social, but it feels like personal development in general, whether it's psychedelics or not does seem to have a spotlight there. There seems to be a mm. willingness and an openness to be like, yeah, like I'm, we're all kind of like, doing the work as people like to say, right? Yep. Like just kind of yep. seeing our own triggers and the bullshit that we carry around that we then project yep. onto other people. Yep, for sure. And I, and I think COVID has been an interesting internal process of everybody really needing to sit with all of their stuff yep. and yep. going like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's some of those things that I have not been paying attention to very yeah. much lately. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. What do you think is one of the biggest hurdles right now to psychedelics coming to the mainstream? You know, anytime you're at the mercy of regulators, that's that's a big hurdle. I think, you know, education is important. I think there's a lot of conversation, obviously, around what does this look like? You know, how is this sort of integrating into society? But I'll tell you, like, it's it's a time it it, it feels very inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that that's something that's really exciting and also when you look at where people are at at the moment, it's so necessary, right? Mm -hmm. And I think probably the, the, the biggest hurdle, at least in the short term, is you talked about intentions. And, and I think we just need to make sure we're all very aligned around let's not, if people are making investments in time, investments in money, let's make sure that those aren't wasted. Mm -hmm. And let's make sure that we're focusing on how do we provide the most solid foundation right now yeah. that we can then build upon? Then yeah. let's do all kinds of innovation. Let's, let's, let's drive that, yeah. but let's make sure that the foundational pieces are in place yeah. so that people feel safe. It's accessible. People are having positive outcomes mm -hmm. and we're not putting the cart a little too far ahead of the horse, yeah. which as human beings, we like to do, especially when financial opportunities. Totally. I agree. Healthy foundations are so, so important to build upon. I think there's been a lot of lessons through cannabis, right? That I think a yeah. lot of people are like, let's not do that again yeah. with psychedelics. Are you yeah. still feeling, where's stigma playing in all of this? Are you still kind of running up against that, whether it's through regulators or I don't know, everyday people, or is there really, are you saying like, no, there just seems to be a real adoption right now? I mean, much, much less stigma than I was anticipating. I think for the most part, you know, people are, 
people recognize that we need new treatments and we need new modalities for, for treating mental health. You know, it's funny, I, I quoted the MAPS results. If, if I gave you those results and I never said anything about MDMA, if I just said, hey, guess what? We have this, this treatment that's coming available that has these, you know, outcomes in, in clinical trials, you'd have a lineup, you know, down the street and around the corner, right? Sure. Um, and so I think that's probably the framework we need to look at this from. Yeah. Um, I think the things that really need to happen is that I think we need to do a good job of informing regulators and educating regulators. You see a lot of this, you know, activist sort of mentality, right? And I think from what we've seen, at least in Canada, you know, Health Canada has been super open and amendable to making regulatory changes, right? In, in two years, we've gone from no accessible options for people in regards to psychedelics to now in a place in Canada where we have something called the special access program where an unlimited amount of Canadians can apply for psychedelic assisted therapy. That's, that's recent, right? Yeah. That, that just went through in, in January, yeah. but in two years, that's what's happened. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's a, a place of, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And yeah. I think we just need to do a good job of doing good research good education and, and recognizing, you know, not everybody's had a psychedelic experience and not everybody is going to have a psychedelic experience. Speaking to them on their level in a way that they can understand it and not, like you said, maybe not with the whole activist, like beating your chest, like not quite, not quite, uh, uh, in a way that's would be received the best by people that are pretty foreign to this concept. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. My final question was about trip sitters because I know you guys are working with them a lot. For you, do you feel that what's the criteria for trip sitters with your line of work? And and do you feel that people should have an experience with psychedelics before they sit for others? Or do you feel mm. that proper training is enough? Yeah, this is always a, a an interesting question. <laughs> um I think it's very important that people who are doing or, or facilitating these therapies for people have some kind of experience. Um, you know, we talk a lot about like, how do you, how do you explain the ineffable to somebody? Um, and so I, I do think that it's important. I think there's ways of, of putting, you know, the maps protocol, for example, calls for, for two facilitators in, in a therapy, maybe one of those facilitators is more deeply experienced than the other one is. But I do, I do think it's important that that people do have an experience of it. You know, I think one of the things that could be really harmful is if you have somebody who, you know, has a, has a huge amount of, you know, just traditional training, you know, whether they're a psychologist or something like that, but no understanding of what somebody is going through in a psychedelic experience, but bringing some of these preconceived notions of, of, you know, what might be right, that could be really harmful for somebody. Sure. You know, we, we talk a lot about bad trips, for example, right? Yeah. And my view, on, I, I don't think there's necessarily bad trips. I think there's challenging experiences where if you're with the wrong people in the wrong setting can be really harmful. And so I think we need to understand or, or facilitators need to understand and have been there mm-hmm when someone is maybe going through a challenging experience, that might be exactly what they need to go through in order to make the breakthrough that we're hoping for them to get to. Mm -hmm. And if you try and 
get in the way of that oh, instead yeah. of supporting somebody that can be really harmful. Yeah. And so I think it is important that, that people do have some experience with these modalities so that they can help guide people through them instead of potentially traumatizing them more by, by getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And it's just, you know, for what it's worth, even without just the, the more difficult experiences, when you are under a psychedelic, there's such a unique feeling of being like, I'm here in the world, but like, I don't feel at all like myself. I don't feel like everything is different. Mm -hmm. Everything is mm -hmm. different. And, and just the, without it being any big thing that happens, just the feeling, I always talk about the come up to people. Cause I think the come up can scare people a little bit when they're brand new to a psychedelic because all they know is everything looks the same, but they don't feel the same the way mm -hmm. that they're perceiving the world. And that can be a little unnerving. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's like that in-between zone when you're one foot in, one foot out. And without even knowing kind of that basic, the basic like, oh, okay, like I'm, mm. I'm in a landscape that is new to me now without, mm -hmm. if you've never stepped into the landscape, it's mm -hmm. even the simplest things like, oh, you're yawning. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. I guess you can hear in a textbook, like you're probably going to get really high right now, you know, like, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. can, um, there, there's just must be just such a, an intuitive approach. And I, I would imagine, you know, if I'm going through an experience, I would probably like someone who has done it, you know, just as a very basic, like, I want to know that you, you've you can hold this. That's why I think uh, shamans are obviously very powerful in what they do is because they they have seen some stuff, you know, they know the, they and they know, the know how to navigate. <laughs> they know the territory. I, I always I always sort of akin it to like um, if I'm getting in the plane and really like for the pilot to have a little bit of time in the flight simulator before uh, before we take off. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's accurate for psychedelics. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, my final question is just what is coming up? I'm going to get it right. Numinous this year. <laughs> just need to say it slowly and I got it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What's coming up for you guys this year that you're excited about that you can share? Yeah. Um, you know, this year I think is a really exciting one for us. I think it's a really exciting one for the space. You know, obviously being able to, to help uh, and do our part with MAPS is really, really exciting. We're enrolling people right now for the MAPS USX trial. And so we'll be carrying that out in Canada, which is really exciting. Our, our psilocybin extraction, we're doing a phase one clinical trial with that as well. So we're, we're, we're just waiting for final approval from Health Canada, and then we'll move into enrollment with that, which nice. is really cool. The special access program in Canada, you're, you're now going to see Canadians get approved and start to do psychedelic assisted therapy outside of a research context. So I think that's incredible. Are you and guys going to be involved with that? Like as a, we are, as, okay. yeah, we are. Yeah, cool. yeah. We'll be a, we'll be a site and also a potential provider of, of the drug product wow. as well. And then I think there's, you know, you're seeing some really exciting things from a macro standpoint, obviously, you know, even just recently you saw Utah looking to make some, some regulatory changes as well. And so for, for Numinous, we're actually just in the process of expanding into the U.S. also. And so we're looking forward to getting south of the border yeah. and, and taking what we built in Canada and, and uh, bringing it down there as well. Amazing. Let's get some people some help, you know? That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's what it's about. Yeah. Peyton, yeah. it was such a pleasure to speak with you, hear about your vision. I love it. It, it really encourages me to hear someone who is CEO of a major company in this space talking about uh, just human potential, getting ahead of it, sharing the space like that just 
makes my heart sing because it really is such a beautiful balanced approach. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.